So you're driving down the road and you see a perfect little bass pond in ideal fishing condition. Are you prepared to fish it? We're going to talk about just that on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks for tuning in to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. Of course, brought to you by Sportsman's Warehouse all the time, as they have been since 2004. All things Fishful partnered with Sportsman's Warehouse. We hope you will stop in there on your next trip out. We're not going to talk about that bass pond I said in the very beginning, but we are going to talk about the concept of being prepared to fish on a whim, on a minute's notice, all the time. And... It's something that I believe wholeheartedly in, guys, because a, a, a 10-minute fishing trip in the middle of your day or a 15-minute you know, stopover after work or something like that has a great, fantastic way of resetting uh, your brain, your, your soul, your condition, your mindset, your attitude, whatever the case might be, whatever you want to call it. Uh, a, a very short opportunity fishing trip can be an absolute blessing in the day. And it's pretty easy to say, oh, I don't have time for that, or I don't, you know, I'm not going to do that, or I need to get home, I need to get some emails done, or whatever. I'm guilty of all that too, guys, and I fish for a living. But still, it's pretty easy to not be prepared or not be mentally in the game to just stop and fish wherever you be might be. And I threw a bass pond out because where I happen to live, there's lots of reclaimed gravel quarries around the area, and almost all of them are, are fairly decent little fisheries. I'm not saying you're going to catch 10-pounders, but there's they're decent fisheries, and they're all around the area that I travel on a regular basis. Um, so it's an obvious one. And I know that depending on where you're listening to, you probably also have at least some sort of bass water near you somewhere, statistically speaking. Now, but the concept that I'm referencing is really about the ability to fish wherever your travels happen to find you and the mindset that goes into that. And for me, um, the bass pond is the quintessential one, right? And I'm not even saying that you might necessarily even fish for bass. You might fish for bluegills for a few minutes or pumpkin seeds or crappies, whatever else might be, or even catfish. Uh, but it's about the concept of being prepared. And in my travels, that might mean that I'm driving uh, along a river somewhere very commonly. If you live in the West, that may be a thing for you. Roads follow rivers in a lot of places. It could be downtown Denver, for that matter. The river right, runs right through the middle of town. I drive commonly in Poudre Canyon. Cashla Poudre River runs down it. Uh, you have to be prepared mentally and physically if you want to take advantage of those deals. And for me to stop and spend five minutes on the side of the river uh, while I'm driving, you know, I commonly drive up to the western slope of Colorado and I do it by going up Poudre Canyon a lot of the time and over Cameron Pass and, and down that way. If you're familiar with Colorado, that all makes sense to you. If not, basically I drive 50 miles up a river And there's lots of good places to stop and fish along that river. And I will do so to break the drive up, Uh, you know, to me to make it over to a buddy's place over on the Western Slope. It's about a three-hour drive. Well, if I stop and fish for, you know, 15 minutes in two spots in Poudre Canyon and another 15 minutes in two spots in, say, the Colorado River, which I also parallel on part of that drive, well, then now I've spent an hour extra to get there. 
but I probably caught fish in two different watersheds in the process on two sides of the continental divide, maybe even a couple of species of fish. So it makes for an interesting trip, right? It adds one hour to my drive, but it makes for an interesting trip to do it and also give you a chance to stretch your legs and get out and, and your mindset. And without question, when I get to my buddy's place on the Western Slope, the first thing we talk about is how my drive went and how was the fishing. And I'm here to say that you, when you get off work, if you drive by someplace that you can fish, if you stop for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe even 30 minutes on your way home, it would be a worthwhile thing. And maybe you're a, a coastal person and you can swing by a pier or a beach or something and fish for just a few minutes and make a few casts can be really, really good for your mentality. And for me, it's not about catching the fish. It's about the process of going through it. And I thought it'd be a good podcast to talk about what I keep in my truck for my personal scenario that I'm prepared to fish immediately. And for the record, it's very simple, which is why I can go over it in a podcast. But I have to be prepared. If I really, really want to be prepared to fish for whatever I'm going to drive by, as far as species go, I need to be able to fish for anything from brook trout to pike to largemouth or white bass or smallmouth or wipers uh, to panfish of all sorts and maybe walleyes even. And walleyes aren't something I typically will stop and spend 10 minutes trying to catch. They're not that kind of species. Uh, they're that typically easy to catch, but they might be if it's, say, April and it's the last hour of daylight and I happen to be driving by the reservoir south of my house. Well, it might be good to go spend a few minutes casting around the riprap along the boat ramp. Uh, same thing at a place like Chatfield Reservoir in Denver. It's right at dusk in April. Well, just probably a good shot. I might catch a walleye real quick, it, literally in a 10-minute window. But at the end of the day, it's about being prepared. What physically do I carry and the mindset that goes into it? And I can't tell you the mindset. You have to decide that. For me, it's a discipline thing. It's, it's pretty easy to say that I'm busy. I got stuff to do. The, the, you know, the bills are waiting for me. The emails are waiting for me. I got to make some phone calls, whatever. 10 minutes will not kill you. 15 minutes will not kill you. It will not change your day, your life, a whole bunch for the negative because you didn't return that email 10 minutes sooner. Very rarely. What will help you is to have a positive mental attitude and to be in a good mood and maybe be a little bit more efficient when you are returning phone calls or emails or whatever it is that, that's taking up your time in your brain that's wearing on you, that's preventing you from stopping and spending 15 minutes trying to fish somewhere. So, that mentality is up to you, but I'm going to tell you that it would be worth your while to have the discipline to say, yeah, I'm going to get out of the truck right here and I'm going to go go fish for you know, 10, 15 minutes, see what happens. So let's talk about what I carry in my truck. And this is going to be a heavily person, personal thing. Uh, you may live in an area where you don't have any trout and you only need to be able to fish for bass or panfish. That's fine. You may live in an area that you have only trout or whatever the case might be. But for me, my tackle needs to be very diverse and I'm not going to carry very much stuff. I drive around in a Toyota Tundra. The tackle stays in this inside of the cab, not in the back. And I don't want to carry a whole bunch of it. The, the, the whole point of it is that it be as simple as possible. So I carry literally one rod in the truck all the time. It is a spinning rod and it is a medium power six foot six inch long 
spinning rod. In my case, it happens to be a Veritas, an Abu Garcia Veritas, but you could pick whatever rod that you would prefer. The reason I like the Veritas, it's a very durable rod, not too expensive. If somebody steals it or I break it because it's riding around the truck all the time, it's durable, yet it's a high enough performing rod that, that I still thoroughly enjoy fishing with it as opposed to you know, some things that get where they're real durable but not super fun to fish with. So I carry the six foot six medium powered Veritas. And there's definitely an argument for medium light, uh, depending on what your overall scenario looks at uh, or looks like in terms of fish species that be available to you. But for me, the medium gets the nod and I'll explain more about that in a minute. Uh, along with it is a size 20 uh, Abu Garcia Revo SX reel that's on it, and it's got 10-pound uh, X5 braid on it right now. And it could go back and forth between X5 and X9. The two lines are very similar. One's more durable, one's a little smoother. Uh, I've got X5 for the durability because it's in the truck. And uh, that's what's on my, my rod reel line combo. Now... The reason it's 10 pound and not heavier is because I may need to address trout or panfish. And the reason it's not lighter to deal with panfish and trout is I might need to address pike. And it's not about the size of the fish. It's about the size of the lure that I have to throw to get those fish to bite. And 10 pound gives me a good range to cover about whatever I need. Even if I hook a big old pike, I still have enough tensile strength to land him as long as I play him well. But conversely, it's not so heavy that I can't present a little jig uh, of some sort if I need to as well. Now, the caveat or the nuance here that's very important if you're going to go to straight a single braid like that. And why did I choose braid? Let me back up actually. Why did I choose braid? The reason I have 10-pound braid on there is castability. I can throw that very easily with a lightweight or a heavy weight. If I chose monofilament or fluorocarbon, they don't have the range of versatility. Fluorocarbon particularly because it sinks. And so it takes away some of my lure choice options for one. And for two, it's stiffer. So it doesn't cast as well, which means if I have light line or light bait, I should say, it's not going to cast as well. The light braid gets me around all of those issues. Plus, it's very durable. It doesn't care if it gets a million degrees inside my truck or, or a million below zero. The braid doesn't freeze. It doesn't have the issues with, uh, with heat, degradation, things like that. So that's why the braided line. The key is carrying a couple of spools of leader with you. And I carry the little small spools. You might have seen them at like a sportsman's warehouse. They're like three-inch diameter spools of leader. Fly guys will, will recognize them more along the lines of tippet spools or leader spools, but they're just little spools. And I carry one of those in six pound, I carry one of those in 10 pound, and I carry one of those in 15 pound. Those are the three things that give me the ability to present any size bait I need to present within reason. So if I pull up to a panfish pond, I look at it and there's there's bluegills popping all over the place. Okay, well now I'm going to tie on a six pound leader very quickly and I can start presenting small baits. And somebody's going to say, well, the medium power rod's too heavy. Nah, you'd be surprised. And I'll come back to a trick for that. Uh, here in a minute when it comes to the lures that I'm doing. But I can throw a pretty small, the rod itself is rated for 8th ounce or higher, but you can still throw a 16th ounce uh, jig head with it. You just can't throw it very far for one. And for two, I can pair it 
with some other things that will make it a little bit heavier and therefore I can throw it even easier. Conversely, with that medium power rod, I can get out that jerk bait that I want to throw and I carry a saltwater cutter 90 in the box all the time, um, as well as a hit stick in a size 11. Uh, those stay in the box all the time. Those two baits give me the ability to throw a long ways on that 10 pound braid and address things like pike, walleyes, uh, largemouth bass, potentially wipers, things like that. So by having the 10-pound braid and then pairing it with whatever leader I need, I can be very, very versatile in terms of what I present. So my again, a six-foot-six, medium-power rod, uh, fast-action, two-piece, uh, size 20 Revo SX, and then the 10-pound braided line is the key. Now, I carry all of that in a padded rod tube that keeps the reel on the rod. So the rod reel line combo all stays together in the tube in one piece and then I have a single Plano box that also rides around with me and that box has one compartment on, on one side that's big enough to accept those leader wheels uh, laid flat in there and it's a deep box so it's like two inches deep and the leader wheels will fit in there for one and then also a pair of pliers which you have to have with you all the time i preach you always need plier anyone that goes fishing without pliers is taking chances with themselves and for sure taking chances on killing fish because invariably you will hook fish that need pliers to get them out plus you need cutters to cut lines so my pliers have a cutter on them as well so the pliers stay in the box all the time as well. But that's it. I carry the pair of pliers and the leader wheels and the rod reel line that I already mentioned. Then there's a couple of lures. And the lures are very, very simple. And the reason I chose the Cutter 90, which if you're a fan of Fistful Thinker, you know we've thrown that bait since before. It was available to the market. It's a little short jerk bait. It's 90, 90 centimeters or 90 millimeters long. Uh, it's a little short jerkbait. And the beauty of that bait is it's a very multi-species bait. It did not gravitate to the general public as well or to bass fishermen who buy the bulk of jerkbaits nationwide. So Berkeley discontinued it from their freshwater lineup and they put it in the saltwater lineup. They still sell it. It's just in their saltwater line because it's a fantastic inshore bait as well. And saltwater guys see that. But because I can still get them, I carry them in the box and they're perfect to throw on spinning tackle, which is what they were designed to throw on, which is also why a lot of hardcore bass guys won't throw them. On this medium power spinning rod, it's ideal. I can throw it a long ways. And again, it's one of the most multi-species baits you can get. And it is a suspending bait. I also throw the number 11 hits. To, and I want to point out too, real quick, I only have it in one color in the box. There's no point carrying, I'm not carrying six of them. This is not a fishing trip I'm setting up for. This is the ability to fish for 10 or 15 minutes, which means I have one of each in the box when it comes to hard baits or anything like that. I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible, okay? So the one hit stick is a, is a basically blue over chrome. Then, or excuse me, the one uh, cutter, excuse me. And then the hit stick uh, that I have is again a silver over, this time a silver over a chrome. Uh, it's got a little bit more of a modeled finish on it. Um, the difference in the hit stick and the cutter, the hit stick's a little bit bigger in this case because it's number 11 and also, uh, which is 11 centimeters, number two, it is a floater, a slow floater. So I can fish it tip up 
around shallow weeds, things like that. I can fish it in shallower water all the way around. So it's a really good bait from the standpoint of that. So those two cover the jerk bait duties, the cutter and the hit stick. Then the next bait that's in the box in terms of hard baits, which it goes around and again for its multi-speciesness, is a lipless crankbait. In my case, it's a half ounce Berkeley war pig, but you guys may be familiar with rattle traps or vibes or there's a whole slew of companies that make a lipless crankbait. The things that I love about a lipless crankbait is it sinks so it can be fished at any depth, which is important. It casts like a rocket. You can launch that thing. So if it's windy, let's say I'm driving and there's wind blowing into a riprap dike somewhere. Well, man, I need to get out and fish that for 10 minutes for sure. Well, lipless crankbait's ideal for that. And it doesn't matter if it's bass or wipers or walleyes or white bass or pike. Everybody will bite that thing. <clears throat> so it's a really good call. And so I keep one of those in the box and it's basically a pearl white color. Uh, it's, I don't know officially what Berkeley calls it, but it's mostly pearl white because typically I'm going to throw that when the wind's blowing. Uh, in a perfect world, I would have three different colors at least, but it's not a perfect world. We're trying to opportunity fish. So it stays in there in a pearl white all the time. So now I'm up to three hard baits. The next hard bait that I will leave in the box all the time is a surface popper. And in my case, it's a Bullet Pop 70, and that's a Berkeley bait as well. They, the Bullet Pop's available on a 60, 70, and 80 uh, millimeters, which is uh, 6, 7, or 8 centimeters, obviously. Um, very, very versatile bait for one. And for two, I like the Bullet Pop be, as opposed to other topwaters because it's a good popper for walking a bait too, as in like a Walk the Dog presentation, if you guys are familiar with it. Like you might consider... Uh, something like the original Zara Spook or a Drift Walker or High Roller, or there's a whole slew of walking baits. In other words, it's a zigzag back and forth motion on the surface. The Bullet Pop will do that very well. It will also work like a traditional straight up popper or chugger. Uh, so it's fantastic in those environments as well. And again, it's very versatile, which is important. And here again, it might be for wipers or white bass or largemouth or smallmouth bass or pike. Uh, and in my case, and most of you will think I'm crazy, but in my case, it's also a fantastic brown trout lure, uh, which almost nobody does. But again, that's the fourth hard bait that's in the box. So the two, the hit stick, the cutter, the, the lipless crankbait, and the popper are the four hard baits that are in the box all the time. And then the last one that stays in the box in terms of hard baits is a flicker shad. And... A flicker shad is about as multi-versatile or multi-species bait and versatile crankbait as you're ever going to get. Everybody will bite it. Uh, it's just a great, subtle crankbait, and I carry it in a number six because I can cast that well. It's big enough to draw bigger fish, but small enough to uh, still be presentable in a lot of scenarios. It's a really good bait as well. So that's the entire rundown of hard baits that stay in that box. And everything else from there is going to be even more simple than, than the hard baits. But the reason that, or part of the reason that I said that I can throw a very small jig for panfish if I need to, what I will do in that scenario is I will drop a six pound leader off the back of my bullet pop. Then I can cast that bullet pop however far I need. And that leader is then dangling down with a little micro jig underneath it, which, oh, by the way, is a fantastic way to catch 
bluegills, pumpkin seeds, crappies, uh, brook trout uh, in a beaver pond, whatever the case might be. So what you're basically looking at is almost like a fly in a bubble or a, a um, popping cork if you're from the south. And so you can throw it out across, let's say, a brookie pond and duke, 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 and pop the popper and then let it sit and the jig will swing down underneath it and, uh, and you could get all kinds of, of brook, brookies or, like I said, the, the aforementioned panfish to bite. So the, it becomes your casting weight and your depth control thing. And I can make that leader however long I need and still be able to cast it. So, and that includes up to almost as long as the rod itself. So you can get fairly deep with it. So the bullet pop acts as more than just the surface popper itself. It also is my casting weight for some other things. Now, when it comes to jig heads, I carry uh, a two of each of the jig heads because jig heads is the kind of thing you will potentially snag and break off. Plus, they're small and easy to carry. They all fit in one compartment of that little plano. Uh, I carry the little tiny panfish size jigs, which are uh, 32nd ounce. I carry two of those. I carry two sixteenths. I carry four eighths and two quarters and one uh, half. And that's all I carry as far as the jig heads. And again, those will all fit in one compartment. They're all silver lead heads. They're all ball heads. They're no, I don't get tricky with my jig heads. They're all plain ball head jigs and they will do a good job of covering all of the bases of what you need. And then I carry in another compartment in the Plano to match those jig heads. I carry, uh, Power minnows, little Berkeley power minnows, the smallest ones up to the four inch. I carry three of each of those because they're going to wear out. Okay, that's important to keep in mind. They're going to wear out the they, because they're soft plastic. Fish will chew them up, which means they're also getting bit a lot. So I carry three of each of those. So I'll carry the little tiny power minnow, then I'll carry the three inch power minnow and the four inch power minnow. That will be my straight tailed offering. I will carry a uh, one inch, two inch, and three inch power grub, and I'll carry two of each of those. And then I will carry a two and a half and three and a half inch tube jig, and I will carry two of each of those. All of them are mid, mid-tone colors, okay? So it could be green, could be brown, in my case, green pumpkin. Um, could be black even, and I would be okay. But I, again, we're only opportunity fishing. We're not trying to achieve the perfect lure combination. We're trying to achieve a lure combination good enough to get me some bites. So mid-range colors keeps it very, very simple. If I have all dark uh, or all bright colors, you know, like a really hot color, not so good. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, black, brown, dark green are very, very neutral colors. Plus black shows up especially well in dirty water if you need to. So it gives me versatility there. Uh, but it also does not put fish off in crystal clear water, which can happen with white and some other colors, uh, real bright colors, chartreuses, things like that. The blacks and the, and the greens don't do that. So that's why all of my soft plastics are in those colors. Somebody is going to say, I'm a fan, I'm a fan. Why no gulp minnows? It's the most versatile bait at all, of all. I agree, 100%. It's the most versatile bait of all. I've been telling people that forever. But it's gulp, which means it will dry out. And if it rides around in the truck long enough and gets 100 degrees, it could spoil even if it's in its own liquid. This stuff is biodegradable, which is why it's so good. But it also doesn't like to be 115 degrees in the cab of your truck, and it doesn't like to be five below zero in the cab of your truck because it's not made out of PVC like all the rest of them. That's why I carry power bait stuff. So 
Um, these days, I've been switching some of the stuff over as I use it up to Powerbait Max Scent, which is kind of a hybrid version, still doesn't dry out. But look, get your Powerbait out and you'll catch plenty of fish with it. So by having those combinations, I have one that the straight body, the, the Power Minnow, can be very erratic. The uh, the little grub, or which I've also am willing to swap out with a power swimmer, which is just a little boot tail, or um, basically either one, the grub or that, I'm going to swim horizontally in the water column. And then the tube jig, I may drag on the bottom, or I may snap jig <clears throat> and let spiral to the bottom, or whatever the case might be. Tube jig's very versatile as well. So between the tube the grub or paddle tail and the straight tail, I can cover all my jigging bases very, very easily and I can combine them with the mix of jig heads I have and the mix of leaders that are in the truck and I can basically matrix my way to almost any combination that I need uh, as far as it goes. So that's what I carry. Um, the only other thing that stays in the truck, and this is just a good thing to have in your truck as an outdoorsman all the time anyway, I carry a little hand towel uh, because I don't want to get all yucky. I might be in my work clothes. I don't want to get fish slime on my steering wheel. I don't want to get all over my fishing tackle. So I carry a little hand towel with a clip on it. I clip it on my belt. If you guys have watched Fishful Thinker on YouTube or television, you know I always have that strap there always all the time. It doesn't matter. So I leave one in the truck as well. And I leave a full-size towel in the truck all the time as well, which really doesn't have to do with fishing tackle. That has as much to do with the fact that I own a Labrador retriever and he might need it or whatever. Uh, my feet might get yucky and I don't want to get them in my truck. So I carry a towel so that I can whatever, get my feet cleaned up or whatever I need as the case might be. But as far as pure fishing tackle goes, the towel and the pliers are the only two things uh, that aren't really tackled, then like I said, everything else fits in a Plano 3700 deep box and the one rod rod holder, rod and reel holder, all fits, takes up no space uh, behind the seat of the truck, and I'm prepared to fish with whatever I need. Now, last thing I'll throw out there, and I assume you do, which is why I didn't build this in the podcast too much, but I want to throw it out there. For me, there, there's a couple of pairs of Costa's sunglasses in my truck all the time. Whatever your sunglasses are, your polarized sunglasses, if you don't have them in the truck, even if you have to get a cheap pair, I don't care what you got to do, but keep a pair in the truck. Don't fish without sunglasses, please. Now, I'm assuming most of you keep sunglasses in your truck uh, of some sort. Um, perfect, fine, use them. But you need eye protection. Fishing is no joke when it comes to eye protection, and you need eye protection. You might as well have some polarized ones keep those in your truck. So that's it. That's all I carry. I can stop and fish wherever. I do so on a regular basis. Um, and I think it's a, it's just really, really good for, for your soul in general, like I open this thing with. It's just really good for your mental well-being all the way around. And I recommend you do it. So appreciate you guys tuning in to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. If you would like to join the conversation on our rest of our social media, please do so at fishfulthinker.com. That, uh, or excuse me, at Fishful Thinker, I should say, on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, uh, TikTok, uh, you know, across the board, uh, Fishful Thinker on all of those. We'd appreciate you tagging along on that. Hope you'll subscribe to our podcast as well. And uh, it's very important to us. And of course, we air multi days a week on both Altitude Sports Entertainment and World Fishing Network. So look us up there. If you have questions, send me an email at chat at fishfulthinker.com. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.